This is a sneak preview from a recent episode of Inside's newest podcast, Inside Transportation, co-hosted by Jason Calacanis and Johan Moreno. Join them for in-depth news and insights about the changing world of mobility. To get the full episode, search for Inside Transportation on all popular podcasting platforms. Also, you can follow at TranspoPod on Twitter and subscribe on YouTube at Inside Transportation Podcast. This week on the Inside Transportation Podcast, Jason and I talk about whether it was acceptable for two electric vehicle companies to accept Paycheck Protection Program loans. We talk a bit about Anthony Lewandowski, Tesla's upcoming U.S. production facility, and Jason shares a celebrity story from the Cybertruck Unveil event. Stay tuned to find out more. The Inside Transportation Podcast is sponsored by Ford Motor Company. Built on the belief that freedom of movement drives human progress from connectivity to autonomy, AI to machine learning, Ford has one simple goal, to improve mobility for its customers. To learn more about Ford's work in mobility, autonomous vehicles, and their corporate efforts to improve mobility for its customers, visit corporate.ford.com. That's corporate.ford.com. The Inside Transportation Podcast is also sponsored by Fenwick & West. Fenwick & West is one of the world's first and leading law firms dedicated to technology and transportation. Learn more about how Fenwick can help companies tackle the complex legal and business issues of autonomous transportation at Fenwick.com. That's F-E-N-W-I-C-K.com. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Inside Transportation Podcast, a production of Insight.com, a newsletter company. This is our weekly podcast where we discuss transportation trends and news that you need to know to stay ahead of the curve. My name is Johan Marino, and I'm the writer of the Inside Transportation and Inside Electric Vehicles newsletters. And I'm joined here by my co-host, the king of Clubhouse, (laughs) angel investor, podcaster, and Inside.com CEO, Jason Calacanis. All right, here we are, episode two. Yeah, so before we run through the most important transportation news stories happening right now, I have a few requests to our listeners. If you haven't subscribed to our podcast on your favorite platform yet, like Overcast or Apple Podcast, we will be releasing a new episode every Thursday. I want to make sure you don't miss out on it, so go ahead and subscribe. Also, if you love the podcast and want to help other people find it, be sure to leave a five-star review on wherever you listen to this podcast. I heard Jason may Mm. even bake you a loaf of sourdough. Absolutely. Yeah. Or tweet about it. Maybe even tweet Drake and the Kardashians. Write a letter to your friend. Tell them about this great podcast we're putting together on all things transportation. I think they would enjoy it. So let's head into the news here. Yeah. As I'm sure you know, Jason, the Paycheck Protection Program is a very big news story right now. As thousands of small business owners have struggled to pay rent and keep their employees on staff, Two electric vehicle companies, one of them backed by venture capital, the other one publicly traded, have applied and received Paycheck Protection Program loans from the Small Business Administration. Faraday Future received a $9.1 million loan from the program, which is close to the $10 million ceiling allowed by the SBA. Workhorse Group also received a $1.4 million loan, which the company says will be used to cover payroll costs. The company employs about 81 workers. Keep this in mind, though. Workhorse lost nearly $38 million in 2019, 
the company, while not very well known, specializes in selling electric trucks to fleet and enterprise customers, and their future revenue is highly dependent on a contract to develop a next generation electric mail truck for the U.S. Postal Service. Faraday Futures, I'm sure we're all familiar with. Their struggles have been very well documented. And it seems that every few months, there's a news story discussing how the company's existence is hanging on by a thread. Last year, The Verge reported Faraday Future lost $2.15 billion since the company was founded. It was saved by a $45 million loan from a restructuring firm. And the company said it paid that loan back. Uh, Jason, do you think these companies should be getting these loans? Yeah, so it's an interesting question. You know, the Trump administration and Congress did this PPP program in record time. So I think they deserve some amount of kudos for that. Um, Mm -hmm. For some reason, they got this done, but they couldn't get testing done on a federal level for the coronavirus. So that to me is bizarre. Uh, But putting that issue aside, it is extraordinary given that the stimulus packages we did in the 2008 financial crisis took you know, six months, a year, you know, it was was a lot of back and forth. This was done very quickly. I think people knew that there was going to be a shock to the system. And the point of these loans were to help small businesses uh, keep paying people, right? And I Mm -hmm. think the way it was calculated was two and a half times your last month's rent or uh, last month's payroll or something to that effect. So it's not meant to be like a year of payroll. It's not meant to supplement Uninsure, um, um, unemployment insurance. It's meant to just keep a, a company from laying people off. And there was a little bit of a lack of clarity of who should get these. We want them to go to small companies that are in danger, uh, in my mind, of going out of business uh, and people losing their jobs permanently. I think that's kind of the spirit of this, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And it wasn't exactly clear, but there was another company, Shake Shack, uh, Danny Meyer's yes. company that got a $10 million of the cap and they uh, returned it because they had been loan shamed. And Harvard got $9 million. They have a $42 billion endowment or something like that. And Chamath, uh, my friend, a venture capitalist, uh, he uh, loan shamed them and said, that's insane. So mm-hmm. the, I think the public and journalists, uh, and uh, including yourself, are on top of this and looking at it and saying, is this fair or not? So just thinking about a company that has had billions of dollars invested in it, why would they even take it? It makes no sense. Why would a publicly traded company take it? It makes no sense. And you know, I'm an angel investor in 200 companies. I've got a small investment firm here in Silicon Valley. And of course, a lot of my companies were interested in this. Um, and not because it's free money, but because it would keep them from laying people off and it would let them keep people employed because nobody really knows how long this coronavirus quarantine is going to last. We're in week uh, five or six of it here in the Bay Area. I'm not sure what... Where are you, Johan? I'm not actually sure. I'm in uh, Texas. You're in Texas. So I'm in the San Antonio area, yeah. Is week four for you of quarantine or three? Yeah, but people are very lax about it here. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's the spirit of Texas, though. Yeah, we'll see how that works out. I mean, it's warmer... De- There's something with the the heat and coronavirus um, that they've speculated, and, and obviously some places like Texas is big, places like New York are dense. Yeah, well, and I mean, just the, the in terms of the population per square mile, it's completely different than something like Manhattan or New York City. So anyway, right. it, it feels to me that companies that are very large with large deep pockets should not be taking this money. And... 
in the venture capital community, people were like, venture capital has all this money. Well, yes and no. Uh, a venture capitalist could not possibly backstop their high growth companies and all the positions and employees in it. They, they just don't have enough dry powder. In other words, cash reserves. So it wouldn't actually work um, and investors wouldn't actually do it. But for companies that are big, like Shake Shack, uh, it does seem crazy that they would take it. I think they did the right thing giving it back. Ruth Chris Steakhouse took a giant one as well. That makes no sense for them to take it. And it's a little bit confusing, but clearly these are companies that should not be taking it in my mind. I, when I was talking to other investors uh, publicly on Twitter, I'm at Jason on Twitter, I said, you know, just thinking about this, if your company has more than 18 months of runway, in, in other words, the amount of money you lose every month divided by your cash reserves, equals runway. So if you had $1.8 million in your bank account, or let's say $2 million in your bank account, and you lost $100,000 a month in your company, you have 20 months of runway, maybe you don't need this. You're going to get through the crisis. But if you have under 18 months, maybe there's an argument that two months would be a pretty great thing to have. And so um, we blew through that first $350 million or whatever it was of this. And I think we're going to look back on it, and the people who took money like this are going to get loan shamed, and properly so. Right. My argument here, Faraday Future, they came out of I think it was like 2016, 2017. They said they were gonna have a they were gonna have a car available for sale by 2017. It's 2020. This company hasn't released anything. Hmm. Their founder, Gio Yuting, is bankrupt. The company's on terrible footing. And personally, I think these companies should have been gone by now, right? When you look at Tesla and what they're doing in the marketplace other automakers that are putting in these heavy investments like Volkswagen and you know Ford, one of the sponsors of our podcast, they're investing billions of dollars into their electric vehicle initiatives because it's not just producing the vehicle, but it's also you know being able to market it, being able to service it. And would you feel confident as a vehicle buyer knowing that this company that you're buying a car from a car that you hope will last you for many years. You know, some people drive the same car for over a decade, right? If you expect a company to, you know, deliver that kind of quality and they can't pay their 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 checks, they can't, you know, pay payroll. Yeah, it they, makes no sense. They need this, and, and to your point, handout. you know, I, I bought the Tesla Roadster, the 16th one of the first 100 of the Roadsters were signature series. I have number 16. I actually tweeted it the other day because I took it out for a ride. I take it out like once a month. I did see that. That yeah, was really cool. It was fun. <laughs> um, it's a fun car. It's a little scary uh, on, at highway speeds. Uh, it's like a little bug. It zips so fast and it's like so low to the ground that like I think you could do one of those fast and furious and go under an 18-wheeler. Uh, do not try this at home. That's not advice. That's just a speculative uh, statement. But uh, yeah, I mean, I bought that car and I think a lot of people were like, okay, uh, when Tesla goes out of business and there was that moment in time where Tesla had a couple of weeks of salary uh, in the bank during the financial crisis, actually, which is a really interesting um, bookend to this story. People were like, oh my God, what's going to happen to our cars that we spent 150, the signature series were 150 each, I think all in with taxes and everything. So you basically were going to buy a $150,000 hood ornament to put in your garage. Um, but it didn't work out that way. And, you know, Tesla, to their credit, they still service those roadsters pretty well. Uh, I got a new battery pack put in it because I- Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, it, was, it wasn't awesome. I only had like 15,000 miles on the car, but I had it stored uh, somewhere and a person had to move it. And when they plugged it back in, they didn't push the dial in on the um, charging cable and they bricked mm -hmm. it. 
Right. So it was a thirty thousand dollar brick. <laughs> it was pretty brutal. Yeah, not fun. But now I have the four hundred, almost four hundred mile battery in the Roadster, which is ridiculous because you do not want to go on a six hour drive in that car. It's tiny uh, and there's no power steering, and you feel every bump. It's it's a pretty um, a raw experience. But yeah, this is crazy that people would even do that. I, I I'm very interested in this workhorse company. They make incredibly ugly trucks that look like they're just slapped together. <laughs> And um, it feels to me well, like they're a perfect candidate to make a really, really ugly um, post office, post office uh, mail truck. It makes no sense, really, to be totally honest, um, that companies would take this uh, and that we would screw up the free market for those kind of companies. Those companies that have escape velocity, they've been public already. They've got billions of dollars in investment. They're part of the free market and part of the free market. And what's great about entrepreneurship is that we have winners and losers. And the losers then have no more money invested in them. And the best talent from the losing companies go work at the winning companies and they go away. And then the market gets competitive amongst who's left, right? And that's really what you want in a dynamic economy. You don't want the government picking favorites. And this is screams of not relief or not temporary relief for the street and for small town USA, which is what it was intended for it starts to feel like picking favorites. And then that's the thing I'm concerned about with this overall relief package, whether since we're talking about transportation, you know, should the airlines um, be bailed out? And it's like, well, what if an airline, oh my God, we're going to lose our airline. And it's like, well, if they don't ever go out of business and they build up all this debt, now you have these airline executives who've been running these companies for a long time who are totally incompetent, who lever these companies up with a ton of debt and- uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's a bit of a disaster to keep these company these airlines afloat when uh, they're mismanaged, and that it's just a big problem, I think. And I know that segues into our next topic. Yeah, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the collapse of Virgin Australia Airlines when we come back on the Inside Transportation podcast. We're going to take a quick break. Stay tuned to listen to the rest of the episode. Search for Inside Transportation on all popular podcasting platforms. 